Hey, drama listeners, our incredible chat with Andrew Burnap was recorded just a few days before the Tony Awards, where he was minted the best actor in a play for his performance in The Inheritance. We are so gagged for him and all of the members of the drama fam who are nominated, let alone part of the Broadway season. To hear our thoughts on the Tony ceremony, join our Instagram close friends, and get exclusive bonus content, check us out on Patreon, where our Twin Talkin' episodes are released weekly as well. That's double the drama. All right, now on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, world. the world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. You know, Connor, we should probably update that. I know. I know. It's it, a mouthful. It was originally just New York when we were actually in New York. Now you're back to New York. It became the world when we went to Ohio. I'm still in Ohio. <laughs> it became the world when we went to Ohio. <sighs> right. Because that is the world. You know, someone once said, and by someone, I mean our dad, said to me that Ohio is the most referenced state in all forms of media. Like there was like some like study done at some point. I believe that. I feel like maybe we just notice it more because obviously we're, we're always gagged when someone mentions Ohio, but in like truly every TV show, movie play, it's like someone mentions like, oh, I grew up there. My parents are there. I was just in Ohio. It's like, yeah. Like we're watching the other two. And they're from Ohio. Oh, right. Oh, my God. How fucking funny. Glee, of course, took place in Ohio. Wait, are you caught up on the other two? No. I'm, I'm not. But it's... This, I don't think so. This season is so funny. I know. It's genius. And, of course, we had Helena York on, and she wasn't able to say much, but she is once again carrying the show on her back. She is just phenomenal. She's a star. But that is to say, the whole cast is unreal. I know. Wait. Molly Shannon. She said that they, they were into filming when the pandemic hit. Have you noticed any sort of, like continuity break in any no, way you know I, th- I think we've talked about this on former episodes i love to play that game of what looks like a covid set i know what everything doesn't. is a covid set now it's, dylan well that's true that's true but you know i don't know if people if they digitally insert people in the back i know that ted lasso is doing that they because they couldn't fill the stands oh. for season two so they like digitally and they did that on pose too what they did on pose to, to do the ball scenes oh, yeah. I, I read this really cool article was they would film it with like and i'm not gonna use the proper terms but like they would do one row of all people and then they would do the scene again but it was like a, the next row and then they would do the scene again it was like the third row of like everybody in at the ball and and then he would digitally mash them all together so it looked like the room was like filled to the brim but they were COVID safe with filming. Technology is amazing. <laughs> Technology and science, Dylan. I know. We're also fresh off of my visit to New York and we had the best time seeing theater again. Can you believe we were at the Broadway specific final dress of Wicked? Yes. Come on. The energy was just unbelievable. Unlike anything I've ever experienced. Which if anyone wants to hear more, shameless <laughs> plug, we talk about on our Patreon. So you should you should lay down your coin and hear the fresh from the fight recap. But we also saw Passover, which was absolutely mind-boggling, fascinating. You know, it kind of reminded me, like walking out, of a feeling I had when I left a different play a few years ago. <laughs> 
did it for different now, reasons for different, for, for different reasons. reasons no and you know what i forgot about that the thought of like leaving an experience with lots of people and hearing what they have to say about it that that is something that i didn't realize i missed until mm. until now like I loved hearing what people were talking about when we left Passover, which is a tight 90 minutes, no intermission, which we love. So it would be like a perfect We also love, you know, a two-part, seven-hour epic. (laughs) I love it. I think you should bring in our guest because he'll have some thoughts. I know. Oh, my God. And Dylan, I'm so excited because our guest today is a nominee for the 2020 Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Play for starring as the Toby Darling in The Inheritance. After originating the role in workshops and in the critically acclaimed run in London, he brought the show back across the pond to debut it on Broadway. This man is no stranger to the New York stage, having performed at the Public Theater in King Lear and also in the titular role in Troilus and Cressida, as well as in This Day Forward at the Vineyard Theater. More of his vast theatrical credits include Caucasian Chalk Circle at Yale Rep, Once Five Years Pass, and Dental Society Midwinter Meeting at Williamstown Theater Festival, and Two Gentlemen of Verona, Kiss Me Kate, Coriolanus, All's Well That Ends Well at Commonwealth Shakespeare Company, and The Legend of George McBride by Matthew Lopez, who we love. He's been seen on television in Instinct, Younger, The Code, and The Good Fight. We couldn't be more excited to have this loved boy on the pod tonight. Please welcome to drama... Andrew Burnap. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to Drama. How are you, Andrew? Thanks. I'm so excited to be with Drama and with the two of you. I am doing pretty well, I'd say. Not too bad, considering. How are you? Really good, actually. I just was in New York and got to visit Connor in his new place. So it was the first time I was there since vacating my beloved Harlem hideaway, a year ago. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it is, it's definitely a changed place for sure. Mm-hmm. Have you been here for the whole pandemic? I mean, I know you were obviously living here when the pandemic started. So I actually went home to Rhode Island where I'm from and spent the larger part of the year there uh, and actually got to teach at my alma mater, University of Rhode Island, which was just the, the greatest of experiences. And so that was a, that was a, a huge blessing and a, in a pretty dark time. So you're saying that we're in the presence of a professor. <laughs> I guess I, I guess the correct term would be guest lecturer, but professor sounds hotter, so we'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What did the students call you? They just called me Andrew. If they called me anything okay. other than Andrew, it, it, it made me feel old. <laughs> so this is undergrad then? Undergrad, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to teach the freshmen first semester and sophomores the second semester. And, and you know, anybody who's listening who's studied theater in undergrad, it, it, for my experience, was sophomore year is when it really got serious when it really became sort of clearer that I could do this. Oh, I could actually do this for real. So it was just such a, it was a real gift to be able to teach young, hungry actors about what I think good acting is. That's amazing. Okay, but wait, so these students, I have to imagine some of them are like Broadway fans. You know, they're obviously theater kids. Yes, yes. Did you have any fans of like any of your own fans? Like, I mean, if you were teaching at my school, I would have <laughs> begged borrowed any way to get into that class because that is such a cool opportunity. Yes, yeah, so the the kids were amazing. And the, the day that the nominations came out, we had a class, or it might have been the day after, and they did, they, they made this beautiful, they like researched what my favorite candy was on like old interviews that I had done. And they made this, they, it was so sweet. And, and they were very supportive and very, very excited. So 
yes, it was a it was a very cool little little plug for my class, and wow. and they they were almost as excited as I was. That is so fun. Wait, what is your favorite candy? <laughs> my favorite candy is by far anything with chocolate and peanut butter. So Reese's obviously is is way up there. Even though I used I call them Reese's. So do we, Andrew? Okay, so I was recently told that it's Reese's. Mm-hmm. I was corrected when I bought them in a way that I almost got into an argument with this person at a, at a <laughs> the local bodega. And I, you know, I kept saying like it's it's Reese's pieces. Reese's pieces. And they said that's right. No, it's Reese's pieces. And I said I think you're an idiot. <laughs> And they said, you're wrong. And then... Did you leave empty-handed or did you bring the Reese's Pieces with you? Reese's Pieces. No, I took the Reese's Pieces with me and I ate every single pieces. So, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So they, they got me a lot of that and, and some Skittles and stuff, but so very sweet. The reason I asked is because this very weekend I purchased Reese's and they were like Halloween themed. There was a pumpkin, there was a ghost... And there was one other, you know, spooky season themed Reese's. And I just finished the whole bag already. It's gone. It's gone. See, I can't get on board with all the little, with all the the subtweet versions of Reese's. Like I can't, I just need the the OG Reese's and I'm I'm good to go. But like the backwards Reese's and the inside out Reese's, it's just, it gets a little much. I agree. I will say though, the the eggs around Easter time for those who celebrate. Um, I do love the eggs because you don't have to do the second sure. unwrapping. You know how like you have to unwrap it and then there's like the, the paper, the paper, a little bit that's inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. all of this aside, we, I don't know where we must've gone wrong. I mean, I think we're still right in our lives that there's a whole faction of us who believe it to be Reese's pieces. You know what I mean? It was on a commercial. Yeah. Like, is this what our parents said. I don't know. Maybe we were sounding out the words, but that can't be if it's like this collective movement of Reese's. As opposed to right. Reese's, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great hmm. question. That is a subject for a for our for the next podcast, <laughs> a mini a mini right. series. Right. So, Andrew, are you teaching this fall too? Unfortunately, I I'm not. Uh, I wish that I could, but back being back in New York, it's sort of it, it it would be too difficult to travel back and forth to Rhode Island. So, I wish I could, but not this time. Yeah, what was that experience like being back home? It was. I would say it was an amazing experience for the most part. You know, any part that wasn't quite that amazing was just sort of being back. You know, it's it's an amazing thing when you go back to the place where you were raised that all of a sudden your teenage emotional life comes roaring back at you. The familiar surroundings, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you just plug right back into that time in your life. And mm-hmm. while that is, you know, can be a beautiful thing, it's also a very challenging. That was the hardest part about it. The time that I got to spend with family and the time that I got to teach and really take time to ask myself questions about what do I want my life to look like now that the rat race has paused. Those were amazing opportunities. And, you know, we were really going through a very difficult time as well as a, as a country and having difficult conversations mm-hmm. with family members and friends in a way that we could actually be present in those conversations felt like an incredible opportunity. So that part of it was great. But obviously, there were circumstances around it that were very, very, very upsetting, both having to do with George Floyd oh, and definitely. racial inequities and also COVID itself. I mean, it's just it was a really, mm-hmm. really trying time, as I'm sure you both felt so being home was a lot of things to answer your question but mostly great it's like we had the same experience andrew yes yeah (laughs) i was just gonna say i completely completely understand it was deeply complicated but i'm grateful for 
the borrowed time I got with family and stuff. Totally. But yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah. And now here we are back in the city, baby. I know. Here we go. Back to it. I've got to ask, are you well? I am very well. I am back to enjoying and taking advantage of the great things that New York City has. I mean, it, it, it really is the greatest city in the world. One, if you can afford it. And mm-hmm. if you look for the the beauty of it. You know, when I first got to New York, I hated this place mm. with all of myself. I could not understand why everyone was so mean to each other, why everyone was so okay with being inconvenienced every second of the day and how someone could live in like the tiniest place possible. I I just had no understanding of it until I started to see the small beauties here and there, which I've, I've now become obsessed with of the person taking out their headphones to help someone with directions the person pausing to have a conversation with someone who looks like they need a, a kind word. You know, I, I think it became this, all of a sudden, this kind of beat me into submission to the point where then I started to be like, oh, okay, oh, now I understand. Now I get it. Yeah. I had to be knocked down a couple of pegs before I could understand the beauty of this place. And I'm right back in that position now, being back here. I, I got back here in May, April or May. And since then, you know, not without its tough days, but most of the time, I'm just so grateful that the city is seems to be on its way back. That's so beautiful. I, I, I completely understand, you know, coming from, it sounds like we had pretty similar like home lives in many ways of like the Mm -hmm. way that people interact with one another. And I remember being very jarred by the way that people kind of treated one another in New York. It was just very short. Yes. Whereas in Ohio, it's tell me about your whole life story and your family. And yeah, totally, (laughs) totally. And everybody, you know, you recognize somebody on the street and somebody, you know, how's your, how's your mom? How's your dad? How are your siblings? Everybody knows everything about you, Uh which is both a good and bad thing. Whereas here in New York, if you look at somebody for more than three seconds, they ask you, what the fuck are you looking at? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And and so, you know, (laughs) it, it, it can become a tricky, a tricky thing to, to negotiate, especially, you know, especially for those of us who are a little more on the sensitive side of things. I think it can be a, it can definitely be a challenging and hard place to, to feel welcome. But, you know, once you start finding those beautiful little things, they, they become, you know, it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, this place is so wonderful when you look for it. Absolutely. You seem like a sweet, sensitive soul. (laughs) What's your sign? (laughs) I am a Pisces. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. yeah, But I'm a rising, I'm a rising Leo. So I give, I think I give off an impression that I'm like, I, I got things figured out and I'm, yeah. uh, you know, confident and, and I certainly to some degree I am, but you know, I, I'm the type of person that just gets exhausted from, from talking to someone. So you're going to go to sleep <laughs> after this chat. I can guarantee I'm fully going yeah. to sleep after this. So, you know, it can be, yes, it can be sometimes feel like a, a cruel world out there, but, but the minute you find that meaningful connection with somebody, everything, all, all that stuff starts to fall away. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So we were talking about, our upbringings and being younger. And, you know, one of our segments on one of our famous, famous segments on this famous (laughs) podcast is the ring of keys moment where we ask our guests about that moment in their lives when they had a a flash of recognition, whether they were consuming some sort of art or reading Mm. a book or watching something. And they realized that they wanted to be a part of that artistic world. Do you feel like you had that moment, Andrew? Totally. I probably told the story so many times. So if I have, if I have like that one super fan out there that has listened to everything I've ever said, it's like, here comes this story again. <laughs> but I was lucky enough to, to sort of be brought up in this chorus, this community chorus called the Chorus of Westerly, which was a very large chorus that would sing the most beautiful of classical works 
uh, ever made. Everything from Handel's Messiah to Mozart's Requiem to more contemporary figures like John Ritter. So anyway, every year they would put on, they would do this thing called the Celebration of Twelfth Night, which had nothing to do with Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. <laughs> it was an original play written every year and that dealt with the, the, the mythical themes of good and evil. Every year there would be some myth that was the sort of running theme. Uh-huh. And Father Christmas was always kind of the main character. So they would get some, a handful of, of amazing actors in from New York or Boston uh, to come and play sort of the, the, the big parts. There were always a group of kids in, in the story, somehow, some way. And one, the first year that I did it, for context, the chorus would sing behind it. So there would be this big orchestra, the Boston Pops Orchestra, and this chorus behind it, and this play going on. It was amazing. And so for, I think I was, I must have been nine or ten, maybe, a little soprano. <laughs> uh, and I was sitting there with my, standing there with my binder, and we had a dress rehearsal, singing the songs to the best of my ability. And oh, also every year there's this big giant puppet monster. Because the myth always had to do with some monster that 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 the forces of good would fight. Of course, you know they'd overcome it, and then Father Christmas would say, "Ah, it's it's the celebration of twelve days after Christmas. Everything's right in the world again." So anyway, <laughs> that year there was this giant green horse, giant, and oh, was it green? Yeah, yeah. It was it was the legend of the. Uh, it's actually a twenty four just came out with a the story the Green Knight. Oh, so this I, dealt with I that. I saw it. Did you see it? Oh. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so don't don't tell okay, me. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll um, talk about it but, later. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. But this giant green horse would enter into the, the hall, and I was scared out of my fucking mind. Can I swear on this podcast? Is that okay? Fuck yes. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so I, like, truly, like, so scared that I, uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't have articulated at the time, but I remember being thunderstruck with this feeling of, holy shit. I, I just felt something so intensely and so profoundly. I want to be able to make somebody feel that same mm. thing. I don't have to play a horse necessarily, but <laughs> I want to be able to, I want someone to be moved by what I do the way that I was moved by this fucking puppet. <laughs> so could I have said then and there, like, I want to be an actor? I don't, I don't know. I, I sort of kept music was my real first introduction into, into the arts. Yeah. But that was the, that was definitely the moment that I can remember saying, feeling something so intensely that I wanted to share it with as many people as possible. So that, that's my ring of keys moment for sure. I love it. It's very unique, Andrew. So I appreciate (laughs) it. It's, it's so cool too. And it's interesting too that they would tie Mm. in different myths and. Oh yeah, totally. You know, I, I, if I could, I should, I would, I should go back and look at, at pictures and stuff, but I sort of, that's where I I grew up doing. So that Mm. was from. From I would say nine, eight, nine or ten to sixteen, so like the most formative years of my life yeah. were trying to be in, in this play and uh, every year. And I mean, my first everything, my first sort of romantic relationships, and my first like I yeah. would just fall in love with everyone mm-hmm. in that cast. We would rehearse for two weeks and then it was gone and back to school. And all my friends would be like, "Why are you so weird? Why are you so sad? Like, what the <laughs> heck is going on?" I feel like I lived this whole separate life for two weeks and then we'd come back. So it did definitely. Pre- it prepared me for the sort of the heartbreak, the, the the magic and the heartbreak of being in a cast of people and then possibly never seeing them, you know, sharing so much of yourself mm-hmm. with them, becoming fast family and then possibly never seeing them ever again. So 
you know, li- little Andrew was little sad. Andrew was walking through the halls of, of the South Kingstown public school system. all thinking about all these mythical themes of good and evil and father (laughs) Christmas. So anyway, (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. Well, listen, you said that you knew you wanted to provide these theatrical experiences for people that Mm. gave them such emotional release and just deep impact. And I have to tell you, you did that for me. (laughs) And I, I, I'm sure for my brother, when we saw you in the inheritance on Broadway, because Holy shit, Andrew, (laughs) it was so fucking good. I I literally got my whole life watching that two part <laughs> epic play, and you, a star, w- was born watching you. I remember, like, I mean, I didn't know who anybody in the cast really was except for John Benjamin Hickey. Sure, but I remember walking away from it, being like, "Oh my god, th- this star quality, the it factor in this man <laughs> playing this complicated, very complicated character." Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure like everyone tells you like, oh my God, I, I loved him and I kind of hated him. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, of course, of course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> He was yeah. wild, Toby. But, um, but thank you for your performance because it was so moving. And I especially love as a gay man seeing gay representation in characters on stage. And especially, I feel like we don't often see modern day tellings of gay sure. experiences. So that was also really cool to see as well. So, Well, thank you. Yeah, well, no, but Toby, I mean, listen, that, that, play was the greatest gift of my life it while Mm -hmm. extremely challenging in so many different ways and it required so much of us and and uh, we did it for the better part of three years but that being said it was um i mean listen i you know i don't even have words to describe it (laughs) but it's it it was all encompassing that's for sure so but i am always always so happy to hear that it it moved someone and they saw themselves or they saw they found someone that they hadn't uh, seen in a long time or uh, brought someone back to them. You know, any, anything of that sort, it, it, it those hours put in are, are so very worth it when I hear something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, we're talking about the inheritance. I don't even know if Connor said the name of the show, but this and of, of which you were nominated for a Tony. <laughs> it would have been this very strange season that will go down in history. But yes. The the play was cut a little short. It was supposed to close. I know. You were like days <laughs> away from your closing. Mm. Well, what's so wild is that I, and maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I had COVID on that last, our last show, our last two show day. I had oh. COVID unknowingly. And because at that time, at that time, the information was so sparse that it was like, you know, if you don't have a dry, heavy cough, mm-hmm. you most likely don't have COVID. And so I had a fever. I had everything except for a cough and I could breathe just fine. But I was so fatigued, but I had so many wonderful people coming up from Rhode Island who really were part of raising me that I couldn't possibly call out. And I hadn't missed a show yet in in all three years of people from the chorus, perhaps people. Was anybody from the chorus? Uh, Yes, actually. That's so funny. Yes. Someone came to part. um, Andrew Howell who is a wonderful, wonderful man who now runs the course of Westerly, I believe was there that afternoon. That's so oh, funny. It. Wow. Full yeah. circle. So, so I couldn't call out and I hadn't missed a show up since that point. So I said, I'm not going to do it now. And I, I like hooked myself up to an IV uh, in between shows. I was so a banana dead. bag. Uh, yeah. And, but, and then did the show. <laughs> How did you get one? <laughs> Listen, when you're on, when you're on Broadway, they'll do uh, seemingly, seemingly they'll do anything. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but no, I think I 
well, I don't remember. I probably sent some frantic emails or something. <laughs> but anyway, and then did the show and, and was and was feeling sick for about a, a week after, but feeling okay. But it, my fever had broken in between parts and it was okay. But then when I, I went home to Rhode Island and I got later, I got an antibody test like weeks later uh, and found out I had COVID. Crazy. Crazy. That is so wild. I'm glad that you're okay. And there's also sort of this strange yeah. that you sort of got this this new plague that we were living through while also in a play about this. I know. It's ve- it was very very weird. Like it was not at all lost on us that that was that was yeah. the thing a new plague was the was the downfall of this of this play that was about the AIDS epidemic. I mean it was just a very uh, it was such a weird time and and there was so much fear uh, around that time and the time of COVID that is, but yeah, it was a very, very odd ending to something that was, that continues to be so, uh, meaningful, but, um, yeah, very, very weird, strange to say good, to like not have a goodbye. We didn't have a goodbye. Yeah. One of the, one of those nights, I think it was maybe that Tuesday night. We actually recorded a podcast with your castmate, Carson McCauley. And, and he was talking about, you guys were having like a clothing swap or something, something, you, of course, he said you were very oh, yeah. fashionable and, and organized it or something like that. Did that ever even happen? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait. We had one initial one, but then we were going to have another one. And I don't think that ever happened because yeah. the very next day we had to get our stuff out of the theater. Oh, my God. Do you feel like even though you obviously didn't get a chance to like emotionally close the show, do you feel like you've had closure from from Toby and, and, the, and the play itself? Oh, yeah, very much so. I, you know, I sort of did my own version of saying goodbye to Toby. Toby, boy, Toby, Toby, Toby. Toby was a lot to carry for that amount of time. I won't, mm. I won't lie to you. It was extremely challenging to, while a joy, extremely challenging to, to carry him in my heart and soul for that long. And when we were told that we would no longer be doing the show, I won't lie to you, I felt a sense of relief. Mm. Doing the play for all of the wonder that it brought, it, it almost killed me. <laughs> and I, can, I think that's true of a lot of the cast. It was just, it required so very much of us. And I would not have asked for anything else, but I don't know how much longer I would have been able to do it. And it was the type of play and the type of run that you just didn't really have much of a life outside of being able to do it. Again, wouldn't have traded it for the world, but my, my, my personal life absolutely suffered because of it. Mm-hmm. And that is what was asked and what was required. And, you know, I'll do it again. Absolutely. With no questions asked, but I was, I was okay saying goodbye to it. And I do think had we been allowed to have our closing performance, it, it would have been, it, I don't think it would have been the play. I think it would have actually been a lot of us not being able to get through scenes because we would, mm-hmm. it would have been so hard to have known that that was our last time doing it. And so the audience that night, I, I think, would have been robbed of the real play. They, they would have seen a probably very emotional performance. And so it, it was kind of fitting that we didn't get to, that we didn't know that it was our last one. Yeah. It was a sense of like, oh, you know what? That's actually how it was might have supposed to happen. Ooh, that gives me the chills. That's that's special. <laughs> I don't want to echo too much of what Connor already said, but the inheritance meant so much to me and Connor and mm. my boyfriend came to town for it. Oh. And just to sit there and take in this show about 
you know, these queer experiences. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but the end of the first part in particular left left us speechless, but also with tears in our eyes. And it was just, you know, I, I also just spent the last 24 hours rereading the play. And so I'm, it's very fresh in my mind and I don't want to get too emotional, but I do really believe that it is a life-changing piece of, of art. And I can only imagine being on the other side of it and carrying mm. that. So I, I understand what you're saying about the relief. Yes. Yeah. I, I think particularly about the end of the first part, my favorite story about doing this play is that the first preview at the Young Vic, where we first did it, we had no idea. I mean, truly, we had no idea if this was going to be good or not. Like we built this play over nine weeks with the London cast, it's Stephen and Justin and Matthew. And it was just like, yeah, maybe this is good. I, I don't know. But the end of the first part, I went off stage and I sort of have a little bit of time to myself uh, because Toby sort of has a, has a rather unkind exchange with Ian Forster and you don't see him again in the first part. And so I snuck back, I snuck to the back of the audience just to watch this because I knew it was coming. And the feeling of being in that audience as Eric is, I won't, no spoilers, but as Eric is going through what he's going through and the audible winces and, and, and catching of breath. I'm not over, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say every single person in the audience sort of rose up out of their chairs about six inches. You know, it, it just became a, it became a, oh my God moment. Mm -hmm. And I have never in my life experienced something like that, where it became, it became religious, mm -hmm. it became spiritual. It became all of a sudden, it was like everyone's heartbeats synced up and every single person was on the edge of their, like the hairs on everybody's arms lifted. It was just this incredible experience of, and I was just openly weeping mm -hmm. and the audience is like, I'm hoping nobody can hear me, but it just, it was, it, it was, it was profound. And I, I tried to never lose that feeling of the reason to do this on, the, on our hardest days and on our, our hardest to get audiences. Mm. That was the thing that I, I think kept us going that, that knowledge that, Oh, this is, even if there's just one person in the audience who is, who is moved from a stuck place. It, it, it's worth it for that reason. So that's my favorite, my favorite oh, yeah. memory of, of the whole thing. Oh, thank you for sharing oh, I that. that. I literally felt like I was, was watching it again for the first time just now. <laughs> hearing you talk about it. No. We, and then you got nominated for her Tony Award, which, oh my God, yes. you gagged. <laughs> I, uh, I was driving my car when it, uh, in, in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and I pulled over because I knew it was coming. And yeah, I just started crying and, you know, it's funny. It felt amazing. And holy crap. He said my, did he, he said my name. Did he say my name? <laughs> was that, is that my name up there? Am I hallucinating? No, that's my name. Getting flooded with messages from friends and family. But the pervasive feeling was a, uh, an odd feeling of almost like survivor's guilt. Mm. It felt like we were also at such, such a time of introspection culturally and as a country that I, I really felt this feeling of, oh, does this actually matter? Mm -hmm. Or, or, or is this just my own selfish dream that actually has nothing to do with anything? Mm -hmm. And it turns out it, it, it absolutely does matter. My therapist then said to me, shame on you. You need to celebrate the things that go well for you so that, you know, 
that is just as important mm-hmm. as mourning and thinking through and understanding the things that don't go well. So, but I can't, I couldn't shake that, that feeling of, of feeling like, Oh, I don't deserve this. I, I don't know what this means, but now, you know, uh, almost, what is it a year later? Yeah. Almost it will be, basically. Yeah. it is a year later, almost a year later. Uh, I'm now just, just uh, filled with gratitude and excitement and, uh, if anything, this sort of just reignites the flame that is, you know, the flame to create and to to birth something new into the world. And I'm just, it, it's married to this feeling of, I'm so excited that theater seems to be back. And so I'm so cautiously optimistic that we'll be all be able to, you know, go back to theater, maybe a little bit more affordable this time, hopefully, hopefully and certainly more inclusive. But I, I just feel, I feel grateful and I feel excited for what, what, what is to come. So well said. Congrats. Will you be at the Tonys? Will you be, will you be attending? <laughs> I will be there. I will be there uh, with my, with my, my wonderful mother, oh. uh, mama who bore me. So uh, <laughs> mama who gave she me. will be there as my date. Yes. Uh, she will be there as my date. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? And listen, if, if it doesn't go my way, I, I think if anything that that is so much more than okay, I, I feel like this nomination was was just a marker of like yeah you, you you did good and keep going so you know if if anything if i if i win then i i feel like it'll be a every play i do from now on there'll be a bunch of people with their arms crossed being like yeah let's see uh, what the hell uh, you oh, yeah. do sure uh whereas you know it's just the expectation just becomes higher and higher and higher whereas like now if i can if i can sneak away without a win then um you know there's room to go the, the ceiling there's room Definitely. to grow outside of that so but you know whatever happens this has been it's it's such an honor i want you to win i want this to happen <laughs> jake gyllenhaal doesn't need this tony i don't know tom <laughs> yeah. sturridge is fine i mean i didn't i unfortunately didn't get to see blair underwood i know dylan did and then who's great the, who's the fifth it's the guy tom hiddleston Tom, oh. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Oh my God! Isn't there one more from the guy from Linda Linda? And yes, and Ian Ian Barford. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes. Oh, he knows he knows who he's up against. Which I did not <laughs> see, unfortunately, yes. and I also didn't get to see. Um, I didn't get to see a soldiers play either because I, I believe we were running at the same time. You um, were, but yeah, I, but I believe that Tom Hiddleston gave a woman an orgasm in the audience. And I think he I did. know who that woman was. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so I, I, if that is not deserving of a Tony Award, I don't know what is. Yeah, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm sure Toby Darling did too. Yeah, so oh, sure. Andrew, it's stiff competition. It's the only, I, there is a funny, there was a funny thing that happened on one of our, I forgot what show it was, but you know, the, the American treasure that is Lois Smith oh. was, was doing, doing her scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that is the, Lois Smith is the greatest of all time. The, if you could have a career like Lois Smith and be Lois Smith, that, that is the goal. Mm-hmm. And she just a Titan. A fucking titan. Mm-hmm. So one day she was doing her scene, and there's a line in in the in her scene where she talks about how her son grew up to be, you know, uh, I, I, something along the lines of uh, 180 pounds of pure solid muscle. And and one of the lines, one day I think she might she might have said 280 pounds of of pure solid muscle, and some woman in the audience goes, "Oh Jesus!" And we couldn't tell if that "Oh Jesus" was like hubba hubba or if it was like whoa buddy like it was just so and you could hear it over the loud you could hear it over the like in our dressing room i could hear it Mm -hmm. and and i'm the only one sam and kyle are on stage and we shared a dressing room so i was the only one in the dressing room laughing so hard to myself but there were so many moments like that that 
I, I think we've never gotten to talk about because it's, you know, it's such a sort of serious play oh, yeah. that there were so many funny audience reactions and, and things. So, but, but Tom Hiddleston seemingly giving a woman an orgasm through his acting is, I mean, that, that, that's, that's top notch. I believe there were also um, like cat calls during Blair Underwood's shirtless scene and, a soldier's oh. play. So this is a sexy, a sexy category. Now you wow. of course were wearing a speedo, which I believe we talked to Carson mm. McCauley about this. Like the, he's like, yeah, I was like in a speedo on stage. It was a weird moment. What did your mom think of this show? Like you're obviously bringing her as your date. Did what, what was it like? And after rereading the play, there's a lot of simulated yeah. moments for, for Toby of sexual acts and whatnot. Oh yeah. Um, what was that experience? Like I would imagine it's a vulnerable <laughs> thing. Yes, very much so. You know, mom, was totally cool with it i think i think you know dad was a little bit like oh okay (laughs) but dad's also favorite thing in the world is rocky horror picture show so he you know he's he was totally did which i Mm -hmm. also did yes in college which was also uh, probably the second most fun i've ever had doing a play mom was totally okay if anything there were like friends of mine who were come like from high school and stuff who came who there was one friend who her first words after me after the show were I'm, I'm so glad I didn't have to see you naked <laughs> and that was that's the thing you're going to say after seven hours of the play <laughs> that, that was your takeaway um, but yes I, everybody was I, I think there's the, the play is so full of so many things that kind of the last thing people thought about was the fact that I was in a, in a speedo <laughs> for a lot of the time. <laughs> that's true. You know, it's so funny when there's like nudity in a play, I feel like that's something that a lot of people will talk about, or there's like whispers on the street of, Oh, like this happened. I don't remember people saying, Oh, there's nudity in the inheritance because there's so many other right. topics and, and important yes, things covered. It, totally. It sort of just gets buried in the, in the rest of the play. Mm-hmm. It really does. I was reading interviews with you, Andrew, and, you know, speaking of what people would say to you after the show, I know that you said that being in the play really helped you realize things about your own identity. And was that, like, also equally challenging to navigate how to talk about yourself when people were trying to talk about this play? Do you, do you know what I'm kind of getting at here? Totally. Totally. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, it is a very complex thing, right? Because your job as an actor is to authentically tell the story to the best of your ability. So yes, it it was difficult for sure. I think that a lot of people tend to assume things about you. So it can get very, very tricky when you are trying to combat both what people assume you are and also try to do this incredibly complex play. Mm-hmm. So that was that was very, very difficult. It was also doing the play at a time where I was understanding parts of myself kind of for the first time and coming to terms with them. And so, yes, it became parts of myself, both as my, my sexual identity and who I am as a person and the kind of life that I want to lead and the kind of actor that I want to be, you know? So it was difficult because... That play requires absolutely no distraction. You know, you have to be just laser focused on your job. And so, yes, it, it was it was quite it it, be, it it became difficult for sure. And uh, parts of the discourse around the play definitely made me sad at times. Oh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. But that being said, I think the the beauty of, of the, the piece was that it could withstand a lot of the criticism. It could withstand a lot of what people did not like about it. And I would say that a lot of the criticism that I read about it was very fair. There was there were there were not many things that I thought were out of bounds 
But, you know, it's, it, I, I've certainly, I really learned that it is best to stay out of, uh, off of Twitter and out of the internet and off of Instagram while you're doing mm-hmm. something that re- requires so much of you because all of a sudden voices start to populate your head and your soul. And these voices of doubt start to, can start to creep in. And that's just very dangerous in terms of giving a, a an authentic performance. And it be, you, yeah. you become, it all of a sudden becomes a battlefield rather than a place where you are to reveal the human condition and human experience. So yes, difficult, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, I can imagine uh, a, a less. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, I can imagine because I remember a lot of people would say like, Oh, it's a cast. It's a gay play, but it's led by straight men. And it's like, well, how do we know how any of these people identify? Totally. totally. You know, a lot of them are, are newcomers to this yes. scene and and whatnot. And and I'm sure it makes you, as someone in the in the, in the eye of the hurricane, you know. Okay, you're Hamilton as hell. Well. <laughs> Hamilton reference. Hello. Well, Andrew said it first earlier. He said greatest city in the world earlier. Oh, you like, did. Okay, he's <laughs> recently watched Hamilton. <laughs> oh, that wasn't even intentional, but that's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, all of this to say, I appreciate your candor and the way that you have handled all of this. And I know that you're going to continue to carry these experiences through Mm -hmm. you with the rest of your career, because now we're seeing you pop up on TV shows, which (laughs) has been so fun, especially on Younger, which Connor and I watched until the the, through the Uh, final season. Um, And that was a tasty role. It was fun to play just a dumb, rich jerk. That was very, very fun. Yeah. And they were so kind to me on the show and they're all so great. And so I, I had a blast doing that. And that was in the middle of the pandemic. So it was, you know, it was, I was so grateful to be able to be acting in whatever capacity during the, during just such a trying time. Yeah. And then the good fight too. And the good fight, which I did my first sex scene. Oh, yeah, you did. With, which was, which was like kind of a sex scene, but you know, but with Sarah, who is just the, the joy of all joys. She's so lovely and great and I, I I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anyone yeah. else. Yes, you were like this, like the editor editor guy. Yes. The editor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wow. show is so fun. We've had so many people on the podcast who've also done The Good Fight, and they just have the best things to say about all of the leaders it's on set there. Honestly, such a good mm-hmm. show. I, I really, I suppose it's my fault. I did not know that it was that good. And then I started watching it, and I was kind of blown away. Like, why is this not in the more of a... Uh, the cultural yeah, zeitgeist. I know. You know, I I I couldn't believe it, but I there. I guess there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of TV shows out there. I think because it's on the streamer, it's sure. on uh, Paramount Plus, so I feel like that's the paywall sure. might be part of it. But you also got to work with the Patink, Mandy Patinkin. Well, I never got to be on set with him. Okay, because oh yeah, that makes sense. Had, had I been on set with him, I would have passed out. <laughs> yeah, he is to me like the uh, ultimate. I mean. It's uh, if I could have half the career of, of Mandy Patinkin, it's, you know, lights out. I hope we see you in a musical next. I would love to do a musical. Oh, man. I did. Um, I got to do a lot in college and, and haven't done many since, actually. Have I done it? Oh, I've done a few. I did some in Williamstown. and But yeah. Oh, I would love to do a musical. Love. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Love well, when you said you were a soprano back as a kid, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine you've developed into a lovely uh, baritone. Yes, no, ones, no so. longer a soprano, unfortunately, but yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, a baritone or baritone for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. So, okay, so we can see you as George in Sunday in the Park. You can, you can do, you can do that. I mean, I think, I think Jake has that on lockdown. That's Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's so very, very good at it. So can't knock him there, but yeah, we'll throw in a different song on it, maybe. 
Yeah. If they do company where Bobby's a man again, I could see you in company. Oh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Besides the inheritance, the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, who the fuck is Bobby? God damn. Who is Bobby? I'm so excited. Bobby is sort of like Pippin and Pippin. There's just like a lot of like mystery to the character. And like, it's so crazy. And it's also just wild how this whole story is built around this person. And yet you, you don't, I could never, ever figure him out. I just uh. always felt like I was re I was just, I felt like the most interesting people were the people around me, the couples and the suitors. And, but I just was always, I would always do that. I did it when I did it in college, no matter what I did, I would sing being alive being like, well, I don't know who the fuck I am, but <laughs> I'll sing this great song. It's, it was just, it was, he's so elusive as a character. So oh, yeah. I'm so excited to see. Um, Katrina Lang do it. Yeah, that was the last thing we saw before the before the Broadway shutdown. Oh wow! Um, it is it is a phenomenal so production. Good. I can't wait to see it again. I got to see them do it in London, and Patty Lapone just gave one of the greatest oh, yeah. supporting performances I've ever seen in a musical. And I have to share this one moment that she did that just fully encapsulates how much of a genius she is. The Joanne's line of I believe it's the little things you do together, mm-hmm. where she's like. It's not so hard to be married. I've done it three or four times, right? She has that. I've done it three or four times. And, you know, it, it's very funny. The line itself. I've done it three or four times. Patty played it where she goes, I've done it three or four times. And she goes <laughs> off stage that way. Like she forgot how many times uh-huh. she got married. And then she had to, she like, she played it. Like she had to go figure it out off stage. <laughs> it was one of, I, oh, I just was so like, that is, that's, that's a genius. Mm-hmm. That is someone who has articulated a human experience in th- four lines and with one gesture that like so many people in the audience have recognized that. Oh it's yeah. Just, Oh, I can't wait to see it again. Freaking icon. Oh my God. I know. I All know. right. Well, listen, before we say goodbye, we do have to wrap up with a dose of drama, our titular segment where we share the drama on our hearts and on our minds. And I have some drama to share with everyone today because approximately two years ago, I went on a Lady Gaga themed boat ride around Manhattan and it was a traumatic experience to say the least. I'm just kidding. It was so fun. But anyway, you guys, I'm getting my redemption. I will, I am going on that same boat party. It's a different theme this time. It's Kylie Minogue and Dua Lipa, but I'm going to redeem myself on this boat ride. I cannot wait it's going to be it's going to be so freaking fun. I'm just so happy to be back in person going to, you know, vaccinated only events in the greatest city in the world as someone once said. <laughs> so it's going to be so fun and reports to follow for there'll be plenty of drama, though, you know. I'm not going to be there to 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 help you out if in a pinch, Connor. I know. So. <laughs> I, I, need, I need you to help me, but Dylan, do you have a dose of drama today? The only thing that's like really on my mind right now is I have been diving into reading once again. And hey. I have, I've started the book, Yes, Daddy, which the author's name is escaping me right now, but it is thrilling and dark. Wow. Have you heard of it, Andrew? I have not. Yes, Daddy. It, it was very chic over the summer for like people like on their like beach trips to post a picture of their thighs with the book <laughs> rested All right. gingerly atop it. Yes, of like, course. That they were reading it. It was like very much like in the summer and it's, it's very good. I I'll, did read um, the book. Yeah. I, yeah. Would you, re- you recommend it? It was so good. It was... It's dark as hell. Like it's a thriller for sure. It's by um, mm. Jonathan Parks Ramage. Okay. Yep. It's really good. Highly recommend. All right. All right. On the list. Andrew, 
Andrew, do you have any drama for us today? The dr- drama today. You know, the thing that I thought about uh, that's been on my mind today, at least, is I just want Pen15 to get its, get its recognition that it deserves. I know. I think that those two are such absolute geniuses. I've used that word a lot in this mm-hmm. podcast. I don't use it a lot to describe people because I think it's a kind of a sacred word. That sounds so stupid, but it yeah. is. And I think they are absolute geniuses. And the show is profound. It's hilarious. It's silly. It's serious. It deals with so many amazing topics. I, 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 it's just such a beautiful show. And I, yeah. I'm so confused as to why it's not in the larger cultural conversation. And the other thing that I think is so... I'm just, I don't know why both I May Destroy You and the Underground Railroad were not honored in a more concrete way uh, at the Emmys. I think- I I think uh, I know why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. Um, But I just think particularly Pen15 and I May Destroy You are are shows that are on just a total, I think just a totally different level. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just, I'm hopeful that people will finally see Pen15 as the glorious thing that it is. Maybe it'll have like a Shit's Creek-like trajectory where in like season five, it starts to become the like sensation that everyone is watching. You know, you know I hope so. I hope. I, I just, they are so, they're just incredible. And I, I want, I want everybody to love them as much as I do. I, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Michaela Cole, she made a masterpiece with I May Destroy You. So. Unreal. Unreal. I saw a tweet that, you know, on our favorite website, twitter.com, I saw a tweet where they were talking about how, like, the Emmys didn't give Michaela Cole the Fleabag treatment, where, like, a few years ago, Fleabag had its second season, and it swept, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge deservedly won everything, and it was like, well, Michaela Cole didn't get that, and it's like, I probably know why. It's because of racism, and just, maybe the subject matter, too. I don't know. I mean, it, it deserves to be seen, and, like, obviously, it won something, but should have won everything. It was yeah. Brilliant. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a whole. It's just on a different. It is. It's just on a different level. I think maybe that's intimidating for a lot of people and might be too much for some people. But it's just the performances, the writing, the idea itself. I mean, it's just it's it's it is the things like that remind you of okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- these are this is why we do it. Absolutely. Well, listen, Andrew, this has been such an enlightening, (laughs) honestly, like cozy conversation. Like I've just had such a great time with you tonight. So I'm really thankful that you did this. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was awesome. This is a perfect way to spend spend the night. Well, I hope you don't fall asleep right away, (laughs) but I understand if we're exhausting. Um, Now everyone will, of course, by the time this comes out, the Tonys will have happened, but I must say, I'm really looking forward to see what you'll be wearing. Oh yes, yes. Tune in to see my 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 um my outfit. <laughs> okay. And if you see Aaron Tavay, just just give him a wink for me. I will for sure. Okay. I'll give him a, a wink and a nudge. <laughs> uh, he'll he'll know it's for me, of course. Okay, um, you got it. Everyone yeah, yeah. should should follow you. I know that you're you're adverse to social media in some ways, but you are on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and Instagram. What are the handles? Yes, my Twitter handle is McDruber, which I made when I was I think fourteen because I had watched a McGruber skit on snl and oh, thought yeah. mcdruber was awfully clever and my instagram is uh at burnett at burnett Love does it. the t stand for thomas close it stands for thompson <gasps> Ooh. which is a family name no p it's t-h-o-m-s-o-n and she's unique uh yeah that's what that's what it was it was handed to me 
and I have worn it ever since. Love. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you. I'm pulling for you at the Tonys and you're a great guy. So I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. You too. This was such a pleasure. All right, Connor. I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.